0: We're, we're like six days into the new year, and the Seattle Mariners have already made two trades. They actually made it today, because Jerry Depoto did not have a new year, new me type resolution. This is the Stew Pod. I am Mike Oz.
1: And I'm Chris Swick.
0: What's up with your people in Seattle, Chris?
1: I think uh, they're just real antsy to break the longest postseason drought in baseball, and that means uh, you got to make moves.
0: Do you, do you fear yeah. that one day... Jerry DePoto is going to come to your house and be like, sorry, Chris, we've traded you. To, yeah, I'm going to go to, like, Louisville or something. Some, well, I was going to trade you to a major league team. I was going to trade yeah, you to a no, major league
1: city. He, like. No, I, I feel like Jerry DePoto is heartless, and he'll send me to, uh, I don't even know, they probably have baseball in Louisville. I don't know. They do. They have a AAA team. Yeah, so there you go. He'll He'll not only trade me, but he'll demote me in the process.
0: <laughs> sorry, Chris, you now live in Florida.
1: Yeah. Not huh. great.
0: This is the uh, this is our podcast, everybody. Hi, how's it going? Um, this week, I feel like we, uh, at least on our end of the big leagues, do. end we've been doing a lot of Hall of Fame stuff, and we've been profiling a number of people. We have a lot more to go. Chris, I wanted to throw this out before we get into some deeper Hall of Fame stuff, and, and I guess a good tease here. We have a pretty cool guest um, coming on a little bit to talk about Hall of Fame projections. I'm really excited about that. But before we get to that, Chris, w- which which Hall of Fame case so far? And it doesn't have to be one of the people we've, we've profiled because we've only done like five of them now. Uh, which which one are you most fascinated by?
1: Oh, wow. That's a good question because there's a lot of people who really stick out to me. Um, I think Trevor Hoffman's interesting mainly because I uh, freely admit that I have no idea how we should value closers and relief pitchers in like the modern era um, and and uh, you you wrote that up, that post. It's it's up now. So if you're listening to this, it's already up. And I feel like you did a good job explaining um, just some of the why why people would say no despite Trevor Hoffman's gaudy save total. So that interests me. Uh, I think to keep it in Seattle, Edgar Martinez interests me quite a bit because um, it just seemed to me like the the sentiment on him was. If anything, he was pretty borderline, and then I looked at his numbers, and I, I just can't help coming away impressed every time I look at it. And I feel like there's, there's probably 17 more. I mean, Billy mm-hmm. Wagner to go along with Hoffman is interesting. Uh, you can make Vladimir Guerrero pretty interesting because it seems to me like he's borderline, but he's a guy who everyone has a story about, so that elevates him. There's just there's a lot. I mean, what about you?
0: I think, I think Vlad is one of the most interesting. Because I feel like he is somewhat overrated by the fact that people love him, mm-hmm. and I'm not going to argue with that. I mean he's a total likable player, he's somebody you're always gonna dig um, and you know I mean I guess that I guess that matters to some degree, like you know what's your knee jerk when you hear about somebody, but I mean, if you just go look at his numbers right if you just were not thinking he's Vlad Guerrero, you'd be like, oh yeah, he's you know fine." You know, he's not, you know, definitely, like, I guess, I guess it's to see how, how much he's getting right now, you know, the fact that it looks like he could go in on the first ballot. Um, When I made the point, I think that Gary Sheffield's numbers, like, you know, aren't that different than than Vlad. And I'm not saying that that Gary Sheffield should be in the Hall of Fame necessarily, because he has some different issues. But just the, the difference in, you know, Gary Sheffield's trying to stay on the ballot. And Vlad is, you know, possibly going to be first ballot. So I think that's a that's a big difference. I think it will be interesting to see how how much people, uh, when we see the full ballot, like how that's going to come out. Bonds and Clemens, of course. And I still think probably the most fascinating is Schilling. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's more we can say about Schilling. Everybody knows at this point. But I, I think he just continues to be sort of, you know, a, a, a lightning rod and – I don't know if he thinks that he's helping himself out every time he opens his mouth and maybe he is in the sense that he's, you know, becoming more and more of a, a victim of whatever of the media, of the leftists or whatever the heck it is. I mean, maybe there's, maybe there's a lane in that in his Breitbart world, but I, I, guess I just feel like he, you know, if Barry Bonds figured out that he needs to play nice a little bit to improve his image, um, you know, Kurt Schilling hasn't. I don't know, man. Like, I guess you don't have to. You don't have to go off every week about about this stuff. And like, Kurt Schilling loves to. So I think I think it'll be fascinating to see where he ends up. It'll, I, I think especially because I guess what I'd like to see is after all this complaining and everything, if he ends up like in the same exact spot he was last year. Right. Yeah. Like that would be kind of funny, right? So, um, I think, or or if he gets more, if he gains like you know two percent, I think I think that'll be interesting to see. But. Well, I feel, I feel like his,
1: his shtick is almost, uh, has almost upset some of his more, uh, passionate supporters because most of the commenters at big League Stew have been pro shilling. And I feel like the last thing I wrote about him, most of the comments were like, well, this guy shut up already. So, so I feel like it's almost gone the other way. And, uh, I also think, I feel like we should mention two other players because the whole ballot is apparently interesting to me. But Mike Messina, uh, who uh, on the surface doesn't strike me as a Hall of Famer, and then you look at his stats and uh, they suddenly become a lot more convincing, in my opinion. And Manny Ramirez, who you know should be probably doing a lot better based on numbers alone, um, but people are finding a way to justify not voting for him. The, the two positive tests where uh, you don't have that with guys like Clemens and Bonds, uh, is apparently worth quite a bit to some of these people. so I, I mean,
0: I see that logic, though.
1: I do and I don't. It, it seems hypocritical to me if you, uh, if you truly believe that Bonds used and you're still going to vote for him and then you're not going to vote for Manny. It, that, in a way, seems hypocritical to me.
0: I, I do want to talk about the public and and what they think because we've done this little thing on on the Big Leagues Two Facebook page that I think has been fun, and it's been interesting to see how people react. So I I don't I I'll preface all this by saying I don't know that everyone necessarily understands like how to vote in this, but we've done these pictures and like the way you vote is by a thumbs up is yes in the Hall of Fame and like the angry face is like no for the Hall of Fame. Um, so, I was surprised that Vlad got nothing but thumbs up. Like, not a single person <laughs> said no, which, again, like, people just love Vlad, right? Uh, small sample size, but Trevor Hoffman, uh, you know, we just put, I just put this up like an hour ago. So, he's nothing but thumbs up. It's only 20 or so people, but still. Um, uh, Roger Clemens got, uh, I would say, let's see, let's do the math here. Three times as many thumbs ups as uh, mad faces. So, okay. You know, but that's that, pretty
1: close to induction. If not induction,
0: yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, Barry Bonds got them. He got the most <laughs> things in general, right? He got way more than everybody else. So he got 402 thumbs up and he got 151 mad faces. I, I didn't, I haven't run the math on that yet, I, but I guess I could do it real quick. Right. Let's, 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 let's do a, uh, a little bit of on the spot hall of fame balloting from the big leagues Two Facebook page. Um, he also got two or four laughing faces, so I don't know where those people go, right, and one heart. Right. So I don't know. According to our poll, he's at 72%. Okay. So that would not get him in, but um, sorry, Barry. And then uh, Jeff Bagwell. Go ahead. Jeff Bagwell got, uh, he is way in, according to ours. He got, he got 100 um, thumbs up and 10 mad faces. So there you go.
1: Well, I wonder how much of that is is due to uh, the Facebook crowd probably skewing younger. Um, Although I guess you could debate that because like everyone's 50-year-old aunt or uncle is like the most annoying person on Facebook. But yeah, I think there's something to be said about that, and I feel like uh, our next our next guest he he may hint at that a little bit.
0: Yeah, actually, it's a pretty good transition into uh, into what we're doing here. I uh, I did want to say though before we do that, Chris, that yes, I don't think Facebook's huge younger, so let me just. Uh, I think <laughs> is, Fair enough. Facebook is is some old folk, um, but yeah. So uh, there's there's all kinds of stuff that goes on involving the Hall of Fame on the internet, which always kind of fascinates me. And uh, we know Ryan Tippett. most people do. He's the guy that tracks all the Hall of Fame ballots, which uh, makes all of our jobs way way easier. But he's it's fascinating to see all the all the ballots every day. Um, you know, there's Jay Jaffe who is, you know, not just like some every man doing this. I mean, he's, he's developed like a, a, very detailed and, and, um, I would say very strong system for, for evaluating Hall of Fame. He's turned into a book and he's done a lot with it. If you haven't read Jay Jaffe, go read Jay Jaffe. Um, and, uh, our guest today, his name is Nathaniel Rakich and, uh, he wrote a great thing over hardball times this week that got our attention where he was trying to project the, uh. The the polls or the, you know, early returns or whatever you want to call them that are being collected on social media and then trying to project that into like what are the vote totals actually going to be. And uh, somewhat surprisingly, he has five people going in, which when I saw that, I was like, whoa, that's yeah, that's quite a lot. Because as he'll he'll tell you, like that, that would be a historic number to go in. But some of those are right on the fringe. So I think we can see some movement there um, in the in the next. Couple weeks. As a reminder, uh, all the results are announced January eighteenth. And uh, if you're listening to the podcast and you read us on Big Leagues too, you will know that we are doing plenty of Hall of Fame coverage uh, until that day, and then uh, a ton of it that day too. So uh, hopefully, this interview is uh, interesting to you because it was very really fascinating for me. I, I, I think that uh, it made me think. It it made me feel enlightened about the way. Uh, He's thinking about the Hall of Fame and just sort of maybe consider some new things. So hope you guys dig it. Here it is on the speaker. Welcome back to the Stew Pod on Yahoo Sports. Mike Oz and Chris Swick here with you, and uh, we're talking about the Baseball Hall of Fame because uh, this time of year, they're probably the, the one topic that just never seems to stop going every day until we until we hear who's in. And uh, we have a great guest who I'm um, pleasure to to bring to you. Wrote an article that caught uh, Chris and I's eye this week. Uh, Nathaniel I uh, wrote something over at Hardball Times. Also, he's a he's a baseball and politics writer. His work has been seen in the New Yorker and Grantland, Vice. A new Republic. Uh, so this week he wrote something called "Unskewing the Polls in the Hall of Fame Election," which uh, tries to tries to project some of the uh, the vote totals. Nathaniel, how's it going, man? Thanks for joining us.
2: It's going very well. Thanks for having me. I'm excited.
0: So I guess first of all, before we kind of get into some of the, the really uh, interesting questions, like I I want to hear you explain to us and to our listeners, like what is what is it that you do. with with the Hall of Fame projections?
2: Yeah, definitely. So I would imagine that most of your listeners by now are familiar with Ryan Thibodeau uh, and his uh, Baseball Hall of Fame tracker, uh, which tracks uh, or collects all of the public ballots that come in as they come in. Uh, And like, you know, clearly thousands of people now, uh, I became addicted to this and I refreshed his tracker all the time. Uh, And a few years ago, I decided to start uh, kind of messing around with it because I noticed a few patterns. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, and those patterns were that certain players always underperformed their quote-unquote polling in the tracker, and some uh, consistently overperformed it. And so I fiddled around and uh, kind of using my expertise from uh, political analysis, um, kind of you know, unskewed quote-unquote or uh, or applied demographic adjustments, whichever your preferred term is, uh, to those numbers in the tracker to come up with more precise estimates for what the final percentages are going to end up being. And so that kind of became my Hall of Fame projections that I've been putting out for a few years now.
1: And so uh, looking over the your article, you know, you, you obviously make your you have your projections in there, your predictions, whatever you want to call them. Uh, mm-hmm. What do uh, what do they say this year? How many people are going in? Who's going in according to the data we have thus far?
2: Yeah, a million dollar question, right? Uh, Well, (laughs) uh, as of right now, uh, which is 174 ballots in, uh, my model is actually calling for five candidates to be elected, which uh, surprised even me in terms of how optimistic it was, at least for the players. Um, Currently, I have Jeff Bagwell getting in with 87 percent, Tim Raines getting in with 84 percent. Trevor Hoffman getting in with seventy-eight percent, Pudge Rodriguez getting in with seventy-seven percent, and Vladimir Guerrero getting in with seventy-seven percent. Now, I should warn people: you know, it's uh, you know, like any poll or uh, model, there is a margin of error, and so uh, when you have Hoffman, Pudge, and Guerrero all within just a couple of points of seventy-five percent, you know, a small uh, error could affect that. And you know, we might only have two people getting in. Um, but, uh, but right now, it's looking pretty good for all five of those guys.
0: You said you were surprised. I think a lot of people probably see the number five and get surprised. I think all those guys are, you know, probably none of them are, are oh, my God, that how's that guy going to get in? I think it's the number, right? I mean, when you saw five, were you like, oh, that's a, that's a lot of people?
2: Yeah, exactly. And that would actually be the biggest Hall of Fame class since the very first class in 1936, which was the super class that included Ty Cobb and Babe Ruth, Uh, obviously, you know, probably the best class that has ever been elected. So it would really be historic, um, you know, and almost unprecedented, which is why, you know, give me a little bit of pause. But right now, that's what the numbers say. But again, the numbers can always change.
1: Right. So we're recording this on January 6th. And so there, I think the announcement comes 12 days from now. Uh, Let's say, you know, by, let's say, January 16th, um, you know, what changes do you expect? Because, as you said, uh, the three players kind of at the bottom of, of your projection, Hoffman, Rodriguez, and Guerrero, um, they're already pretty close to the 75 percent threshold. So could it could all three of those guys conceivably fall off in the next 10 days based on the, the data that comes out between now and then?
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, so Ryan likes to warn people on Twitter if you follow him there that uh, a lot of the late reveals, the group reveals, especially from MLB.com and from ESPN, um, tend to be a little stingier. So you'll get some of those you know, two or three player ballots rather than the 10 player ballots that we're kind of used to early in the process. So uh, that can tend to depress everyone's numbers. Um, of those three, I would say that Hudge has the biggest uh, cushion. That's not exactly rocket science, because in the uh, in Ryan's a polling uh, Pudge is currently at 82 uh, percent whereas Hoffman is at 72 and Vlad is at 75. Um, so Pudge I think can afford to lose the most ground. Um, my model applies a pretty heavy penalties to him um, based on the fact that he's similar to other players who have really been really lost a lot of ground uh, between public balloting and final balloting um, whereas my model adjusts upward for Hoffman and Guerrero Um, so they can kind of afford to lose, uh, you know, they're, they're kind of on the cusp already often being at 72% in the public balloting and my model gives them a little bit of a boost, but obviously the the farther down he slips, you know, the harder he is, it is going to be for him to claw his way back
0: up. Since, uh, your, your model is kind of based on like, you know, what you've seen in the past with people, how, how much harder is it to look at like the first year people like Pudge and Vlad and, and Manny and those guys?
2: Yeah, exactly. That's kind of the the big uh, challenge for the model. Um, If you look at somebody who's been on the ballot a long time, uh, you know, at this point, for instance, Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, we kind of know where they stand. Um, They consistently lose about 10 points or so between public and private ballots. And there's a long precedent for this. And so we can be pretty confident in the projections for Clemens and Bonds, but for Pudge Guerrero and also for Manny Ramirez and for Jorge Posada, we really don't know uh, what's going to happen to them. So my model makes a couple of assumptions. Um, it looks at uh, what players they're most closely correlated with in terms of their, their support. Uh, so for instance, um, Vlad is most close, excuse me, Vlad is most closely correlated uh, with, Uh, Trevor Hoffman, actually. Um, Voters who tend to vote for Hoffman also tend to vote for Guerrero. And based on Hoffman's past performance, uh, we think that he is going to do better in private balloting, and therefore we also think that Guerrero is going to do better. Um, But obviously this is Kind of another, it adds another step to the process, so it kind of doubles the error, so to speak, Uh, not literally in statistical terms, but uh, definitely compounds it. And so uh, there's definitely a greater error in my model for Guerrero and or Guerrero and Pudge, uh, which is obviously not ideal because they are two of the guys who are flirting (laughs) most closely with the 75% threshold. So uh, kind of bad luck for us this year, Um, but uh, I guess we'll find out in, in a couple weeks.
0: Well,
1: so something you've mentioned thus far has been the difference between public ballots and private ballots. And yep. there are certain players who uh, will see their percentages rise or fall when the private ballots eventually get released. And w- when we say that, we're, we're talking about ballots that aren't revealed on uh, Ryan's tracker or just, you know, some writers don't make their ballots public before the 18th. So that's what we mean by private ballots. Um, you know, why do some players see significant changes uh, once the private ballots are released? What what uh, tendencies do you see there?
2: Definitely. So, you know, I don't want to put words in anybody's mouth or or assume people's motives, um, but there's a definite pattern that emerges. So, for instance, historically speaking, the two players that have gained the most ground in public ballots are Lee Smith and Trevor Hoffman. Obviously, they have something very obvious in common. They were both closers, uh, relief pitchers, uh, and you know, amassed high amounts of saves. Then when you look at the players who dropped the most in from public ballots to private ballots, you're looking at people like Tim Raines. You're looking at people like Mike Messina. You're looking at people like Kurt Schilling. Uh, and those players, especially, I think, Raines and Messina, um, are really kind of the favorites of the uh metric uh, class of voters, people who have embraced advanced metrics. They realize that, you know, Mike Mussina may not have made it to 300 wins, but he was dominant in an age when uh, offense was, uh, was very high. Um, and also with rain, you know, he may not have been Ricky Henderson in terms of the um, accumulating the, uh, the traditional stats, but he was still an excellent leadoff hitter who provided value with base running defense all facets of the game. Um, so generally speaking, the private ballots tend to be more old school voters who don't look at advanced stats so much and they prefer traditional stats like saves. Um, and the public ballots tend to be the maybe the younger voters, people who are active on Twitter and uh, and are kind of involved in that world of sabermetrics. Um, and then of course there's also the steroid issue, which I'm guessing it might be uh, the, next, the next question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it wasn't the next question. Um, but I mean, if you want to talk about steroids, we can we we can do that. I, I would assume that. Oh, definitely. The but, yeah. I would assume that also goes along with the public-private ballot thing, and that the people who, at least from what I see, are, are more supportive of of bonds and shilling are the same people who are, you know, out on Twitter and, and probably a little bit younger, and, and the people who aren't are. Uh, I, I I don't. I'm gonna be like you. I don't want to like put anybody down, but probably a little more old school.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, And obviously, steroids are the elephant in the room for Hall of Fame voting. uh, And, you know, Bond and Clemens are the the poster boys for that. And like I mentioned earlier, you know, they consistently drop by about 10 points in public and from public to private ballots. Um, And yeah, the the assumption there, and again, without putting words in anybody's mouth, is that people who don't reveal their ballots, are much less likely to forgive players over using steroids, whereas the people who do reveal their ba- their ballots and are active on Twitter uh, have kind of come to see steroids as part of the game and that you can't have a Hall of Fame without players like Bonds and Clemens who produced some of the highest numbers that anybody ever did.
0: Well, I think that the, the articles we've been doing on Big Leagues do, I think, put us in that, in that path. None of us have yeah. Hall of Fame votes, but we're... Like we've we've aligned ourselves with that thought. And we, hey, we have Twitter accounts and a podcast. Look at that. Amazing. Amazing how that plays out. Um, I I, I want to ask this because I think it's also important. How correct have you been in the past? I know you've been doing this for a few years now. So, um, you know, how, how would you gauge your, your overall correctness over the years?
2: Definitely. Uh, it's been pretty good. You know, any, any system like this is going to have a little bit of error. But uh, last year I actually uh, had my best year yet which was very exciting um i bought on average i missed uh, all the players down the line by 1.5 points uh and no candidate was uh, more than 3.5 points off of their actual vote total um so i, I kind of refine the model every year and thankfully i've seen that you know, seen seem to get a little bit better in the results uh so i'm optimistic that this year will be pretty good uh the downside uh last year so the one player who i missed by 3.5 points Uh, was actually Jeff Bagwell uh, who obviously fell just uh, a couple of points shy of submission or of admission. And, uh, and I predicted him 3.5 points higher than he ended up. So I actually had, had predicted him to uh, get in. And of course he didn't. Uh, So that is a cautionary tale for people maybe looking at my Guerrero prediction. And currently he's at 77%. If you know, you see a three point error, uh, which has happened in the past, he could be at 74 and that would be that. Um, but, uh, but overall, uh, my numbers have been pretty good and especially uh, again for the candidates who have been on the ballot a long time and, uh, we kind of have a pretty good idea of how they're going to, uh, how their ballots are going to behave in the end.
0: So if we kind of,
1: let's, let's try and separate maybe your model from, from your personal thoughts here. Um, just personally, yeah. you know, have, have any players stood out as surprises to you, whether it be, uh, just how high they're pulling or how low they're pulling. Have you been personally surprised by anything you've seen?
2: Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, I've got lots of personal thoughts. Uh, I guess I, I am surprised that uh, Vlad is in the conversation to be in on the first ballot. You know, I thought of him as a good and exciting player with someone who I kind of figured would debut somewhere in the middle. Um, and then Manny, I'm not really sure what to make of either. On one hand, I kind of would think that he would be higher um, because, you know, his numbers, I think, are undeniable. And you would see You know, if people are voting for Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens in rate at rates of around 60 uh, percent, I would think that a, a significant portion of them would go for Manny. But right now, I think in the public balloting, he's only at about 26 percent. Um, but then on the other hand, it, he's kind of lucky with two steroid suspensions that anybody's considering him whatsoever. Um, so. I don't know, I guess that's not that surprising that he would kind of split the difference between Bonds and zero, but, uh, um, but I was very curious about that. And then, I guess, kind of on a personal level, um, you know, Billy Wagner uh, was a player who I always found to be really exciting when he was playing, uh, and the fact that he is kind of languishing down in the, in the teens uh, were, as Lee Smith is, you know regularly exceeds 30 percent and obviously Hoffman is on the, the uh, cusp of election um, that's really sad to me I think that you know Wagner you know when you take away saves which uh, you know personally as a you know a bit of a stat nerd you know I think isn't the best way to measure uh, reliever value um, Wagner is a guy who uh, you know, struck out far more than Hoffman did uh, I think he has the lowest whip uh, of any relief pitcher uh, in history um, to me he was actually a more dominant Closer than Hoffman was, and you know, this is probably going to be heresy to people in San Diego, so I apologize. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I would love to see him uh, gain support, and uh, and maybe next year, you know, if Hoffman gets elected and, and Lee Smith drops off the ballot, which uh, he would do now in his fifteenth year of eligibility, maybe next year some people who want to throw a vote to a relief pitcher will take a second look at him, and I think that would be phenomenal.
0: I, I'm I'm always uh, impressed by the amount of time and effort I think people put into Hall of Fame stuff and uh, so i'm curious with you because you know you, you've talked about how much how much you work you've done on this and obviously it's been a lot and people like ryan thibodeau and, and you know jay jaffe who's obviously turned this into you know something much bigger for him um yeah. it, it, what is it about the hall of fame do you think that inspires people to put so much effort into kind of tracking and analyzing and and you know not just the players but I mean the, the voting and, and sort of what's gonna happen and projections and stuff like that so um, I guess it's kind of a two-part for you like like what inspires you to do this and, and what do you think it is about the Hall of Fame
2: yeah definitely I mean hey if you guys can figure out you know why uh, why this stuff is like crack to me you know I am all ears uh, <laughs> I think it's just you know a combination of you know baseball as a sport i think appeals to those of us who like numbers um who are a little bit nerdy uh you know the 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 binary nature of the game you know everything is you know you're either safe or you're out or it's a ball or a strike really lends itself to creating this architecture of statistics and numbers um uh, that people can you know crunch to no end and i think the hall of fame results uh especially in the past few years now that you have ryan tracking every single ballot um lend themselves to that as well and uh you know now that you know you have percentages even in the the realm of kind of uh the you know you're kind of their stats about stats almost because you know you know statistics about the hall of fame which in itself is based on statistics um really appeals to those of us who are uh, numbers nerds um and then of course you know there's just the the personal connection that a lot of people have with these players um you know it's you know, as I, I grew up in Boston and, you know, I, I have friends who look at Manny Ramirez and, you know, they're asking me, why is he, you know, doing so you know, badly? And, uh, you know, there, people have, you know, especially if you're on the ballot, you've played baseball for a long time. A lot of these guys did so in one city for a very long time. Uh, people have very strong attachments uh, to these guys. Um, and just from a personal perspective, I wasn't all that interested in Hall of Fame balloting um, until – I don't know, maybe five years ago when I actually started doing this, uh, which was in the 2013 election. And, you know, if you look back at like the 2009 ballot, you're seeing names like Andre Dawson, Jim Rice, um, you know, and Tommy John even, uh, Those for me, you know, I am a baseball fan uh, of a certain age uh, and that age being, uh, you know, a a millennial. Um, And so I wasn't as into I wasn't very invested in whether these guys were making it into the Hall of Fame. But, you know, that kind of changed about five years ago when you started seeing guys like Bonds and Clemens, who I have such vivid memories of watching doing their thing you know, on sports center or, you know, watching, you know, even a game in person. Um, and I suddenly became a lot more interested in following every single ballot, uh, even though, you know, uh, Barry Bonds never played on my team or, uh, you know, or Mike Piazza or Jeff Bagwell. Um, it, 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 there's still something about seeing the, the, the magic from your formative years, in my case, to you know translate into the, the realization of this, you know, of, their career goals and kind of, you know, your childhood fandom have now become, you know, and matured uh, as well. Um, I think there's something poetic about that.
1: Uh, I, I would agree. I, I feel like we're probably around the same age and in, in roughly uh, a week or two, we're going to have our answer. So uh, Nathaniel, thanks a lot for doing this. Um, before we, we let you go, I, I want to mention uh, you can read Nathaniel's article "Unskewing the Polls in the Hall of Fame Election. Uh, on the hardball times and uh we can also follow you on twitter right at uh at baseball ot so yeah, um base ballot nah. oh base ballot i'm very proud Ooh, of that chris battle. he uh, told man, you yeah man i don't even know I, I i don't even know what i'm doing so <laughs> hey base ballot that works too um but yeah nathaniel well, thank you, thanks, thanks a lot for doing this uh we really
0: appreciate it yeah thank you yeah, nathaniel. of course
1: no this is a lot of fun all right
2: yeah. take
0: care guys all right take care Welcome back to the Stew Pod. Thank you once again to Nathaniel Rakich for joining us. Check out his article on Hardball Times if you have not about the Hall of Fame. Chris, uh, we're we're not quite yet ready to have a Hall of Fame discussion about this guy, but he's always someone we like to discuss. Alex Rodriguez, your boy, has How said exciting. has said through well, he didn't say it through his reps that uh, he, he does not plan to play next year, which a lot of people thought he might. Uh, your take, man? I want it give it to me. I'm I'm disappointed. Are you? Yeah. Uh this
1: is a guy who was removed is, is a year removed from 33 home runs. Uh you know, not a great batting average in 2015, but walked a fair amount, gave you a good slugging percentage. Uh you know, he just had uh, 65 bad games. And look, I know maybe that seems like a lot to people, but really it's not that much and I he's 41 now, which Obviously, he's old, but he is arguably the best player of his generation. Uh, we know that, you know, there may be some uh, enhanced reasons for that. But even with that, I, I want to see that guy. I, I don't want to buy that he's suddenly unusable after just after less than 300 plate appearances. I don't want to buy it. I want to see him try and, and and make one more attempt at coming back. And you know, if it goes poorly and he hits under 100 in spring training and hangs it up then fine then i will have seen enough but i i don't don't want to accept this and so i won't
0: did you forget how bad he was last year
1: he was bad he was but again that's less than
0: than half a season this is what i would say if you're a rod you've kind of ended up being able to march out of here in a, in a somewhat dignified way you've Turned that into your your broadcasting thing, where people you know liked you more probably than, than they did when you were playing baseball. You're likable on social media. You're spending time with your kids. You're doing all this stuff that is kind of changing the way that people think of you as a Rod.
1: You're working at a Rod Core. You,
0: yeah, you know, changing changing the world, man. One a Rod Core duty at a time. <laughs> and if you go play baseball again. Then all of a sudden you're bringing back all the other baggage, all the stuff that that kind of been tucked under the bed. You know, you threw that you threw that stuff underneath the bed. You don't got to deal with it right now. Here it all comes again, and you start hearing about PDS and you know d- d- chasing seven hundred home runs and and whether those numbers mean anything. And then they're going to be calling you a cheater and aroid hey, and all this kind of stuff. I say he's made a pretty clean exit. Don't
1: mess it up. Yeah, well, so here, here's the, the reason that your argument holds water in my mind. Because there's nothing he's going to do statistically that's going to increase his Hall of Fame status at this point, right? I mean, if you are not going to vote for A-Rod right now, you're not going to vote for him if he gets to 700. Or if he's even the all-time home run king, because none of it's going to matter. So, like you said, it makes the most sense for him to leave now when the public perception is high, and not only that, but he strikes me as a guy who uh, could maybe convince some negative voters to come around if he continues to have this uh, gregarious, off-the-field broadcasting personality come out every season and proves himself as just a really smart analyst. I feel like that might be enough to, to get some people to come over to his side, whereas you're right, if he keeps playing, it, it, it's not going to change anyone's mind. So I get it, but I can, I'm still allowed to be disappointed.
0: The, the pitfalls, I would say, is if his own ego you know, is like, I need to go back out there and show them that I can still do this. Or if he's just so determined to get to 700. But I would say, man, let it go. Just do your thing. Live your life. You don't need the money. You don't need five more home runs to be at 701. And, you know, just do your thing, man. Go rack up those Instagram followers instead. Get, like, 7 million Instagram followers and just be happy with that, right?
1: Okay, but so here's something to think about. If he had, uh, let's say he had stayed healthy, he had not needed that hip surgery, and he wasn't suspended, and he currently was sitting at, like, 758 mm-hmm. in all, all home runs Record is 762 as you know Does he come back and, and get and, and pass that record Does does the ego come in at that point and say You know what I'm only 5 away I'm doing it I think,
0: I think it does man I think it does I think he might And I think yeah. I might have a little bit more of a Of a, of a Okay time with him doing that <laughs> You know I guess Um but then at that point too, it's really just him versus Bonds, right? So like, the people who are going to criticize him, they also going to criticize Bonds. Um, so whatever, yeah, we'll go for it. I think I think if he is out there trying to approach Hank Aaron, is is when people get like more like oh, oh blah, blah, about it, you know? Of course. So yeah. Go for it, man. If it if it's that, right, fine. But at this point, you don't have much to play for. Just stay away.
1: I mean, I guess. It's, it's, it's what's going to happen regardless of how disappointed I am. So there's what, nothing else. What if, what
0: if Jerry Depoto goes and signs him? Like, come back to Seattle, man. Oh, that would be
1: tremendous. <laughs> well, that would never happen because everybody here still hates him. So,
0: I know. So, how, how funny would that be?
1: Well, I, I think it would be great. Sure, why not? Like, if what, he... if,
0: what, if, what if the Mariners are like – a trade deadline. The Mariners are, you know, looking like a team that could go to the playoffs. Bring them back Arod.
1: They'd have to be terrible, I think, to bring back Arod, because the you know they would say we're not going to mess with a good thing.
0: Well, what if they're on the brink, man? What if they're what, what if they what, this this would be even better? What if they're in second place? Got to get past those Rangers. Bring back Arod. Well, that would be
1: fun. <laughs> but
0: again. That it'll never happen. You're just living out the most insane fantasies. And then they get to the, then they get to the ALCS where they have to beat the Yankees to go to the World Series.
1: Well, that would be great.
0: Now, now I'm just making up Arod Rod fan fiction, right? You are, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, there's another story I wanted to throw at you. I thought was interesting because it was a very Cleveland thing. Uh, the Edwin Encarnacion, which. I, I, before we say anything else, I will I will give I will give the Indians a little bit of this for going out and spending the money and getting him and, and you know getting that piece that could really make your team a, um, a World Series team and again and the same thing with Andrew Miller last year like they've they've shown they've shown the Cajonas to go be a winner and I like that uh, I, I do think it's interesting the idea that he has an attendance incentive in his contract yeah I thought that was fascinating because and I guess this is the question right. If you are a Cleveland person and you don't go to Indians games, um, is Edwin Encarnacion going to make you buy a ticket?
1: Well, you're asking an extremely biased person because uh, my Edwin Encarnacion is probably my favorite player to watch uh, and or the player I've seen the most of over the last three seasons. Uh, and that's based on just my preference for watching Great offenses, and the Blue Jays have had that. And then uh, also for selfish fantasy reasons, uh, I've, I've wound up with him, like, every year. So uh, I absolutely would. But, but I think, you know, for Encarnacion and, and the Indians, it's it's not just about him, right? I mean, it's about the success they had last year and then the fact that, uh, like you said, he he represents that final piece, that, oh, we came one game short of the World Series. Now this is our loaded team. With Edwin Encarnacion, we're gonna win the World Series. I think that gets me out to the ballpark more than just his singular addition. I look at the entire roster and I just think, this this is it. This is the piece. This the longest World Series drought in Major League Baseball is, is over, and I want to be there for it. In May? Sure, why not? Okay. <laughs> I I don't know. I mean, you're you're asking a biased source as well because I just like going to baseball games. So That's
0: true. Okay.
1: Kind of tough. What, why? What do you say? You, you're not getting out of your seat for Fredwin Edwin Encarnacion?
0: Um, no, I'm not saying that necessarily. I'm just
1: because I hate there. you if you disagree. Because I, think I think, love Edwin Encarnacion.
0: I think I think especially if they if they market him well, you know, if they they can do some fun stuff with the with the parrot and you know all those kind of things. I think Cleveland for the most part is a pretty savvy team in terms of like being clever on the internet and social media. Well, and yeah, all that stuff, social
1: so. media, yeah, for sure. Yeah. They're well, you wrote about them Good, in the post. Oh, so yeah, uh, so, they're definitely. Yeah, a I mean, no, I think
0: I think I think that would be cool. I guess I'm just wondering, like, do other people have that clause? And if so, like, I don't know. I guess I just don't see him as like a guy that you're like, oh, we're gonna sign him. That's gonna put some butts in the seat. People will definitely want to come see Edwin Encarnacion. Um, more as like. You know, let me tell you why he's a great addition to your team. And and oh, he did that? Yeah, that guy. That guy sounds great. I, I guess I just don't see him as being like the big household name that would appeal to the person who doesn't either go to games or doesn't really follow the Indians. Or if that's just an Indians thing, and they're just gonna be like, hey, whoever it is, whoever we're bringing in, you gotta have this incentive because you know our attendance sucks, and and we gotta do whatever we can to to put people in the seats.
1: Yeah, it does strike me as a weird contract incentive that, that like, I, I don't know why, if you're Encarnacion or his agent, why you would necessarily agree to that, because it just seems like something that's mostly out of your hands.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I guess I'm hoping that they've done some type of research looking at uh, teams that go to the postseason or teams that go to the World Series and, and whether they experience uh, attendance boost the following year. I mean, it, logically, it seems like that would happen. And I wonder if that's the type of thing that holds for a couple years. And so they just feel comfortable knowing that, um, you know, maybe just based on the team's performance last year, it's enough to get extra people in the seats. It's not even like signing Encarnacion. It's purely what they did in 2016, if, if you get what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, and then he's just going to either be the benefactor of it or he's right. not. Right, he exactly. That. I understand that.
1: So that, that would be like the only way I, I – I would agree to that type of deal or, or that incentive cuz it's it just it's weird to me. Is it, is it not weird to you that that's a thing? No,
0: oh, yeah, it's weird. I mean, it's weird to me on somebody like that. Like it wouldn't be weird to me if we were talking about a rod or you know, someone like that necessarily because he's like a you know, butts in the seats type of player, but But uh, how but okay, but realistically,
1: how many players like that exist?
0: Not not a lot. No, I mean, not a lot at all. 10 Less than 10? I, I would say less than 10 because you can't even really – because you can't even really put that on pitchers, you know? I mean oh, to some I, degree.
1: Uh, I, yeah, I could – no, I don't know if I agree. I could, I could put that on Kershaw for sure.
0: Well, I guess, I guess what I'm saying is like there are, there are pitchers you want to go see. But right. It's not like I'm going to go – I'm going to go buy season tickets so that I can watch Clinton Kershaw every fifth day or you know something like that. I would just – so, okay, okay, I guess yes. Like, you could, you could, he'll sell more tickets, but he's not like a true, I want to go watch that guy every single day type player. And that's what I true. mean.
1: Yeah, that's, that's tough. We, I feel like, uh, we should take a long, longer look at that maybe in a future podcast because, who's like,
0: a, who's a butts in the seats type player?
1: Yeah, because uh, I, I would love to say Nolan Arenado is, but I don't think that's true. And that's probably just based on where he plays because if he had played for, boston uh he probably is a butts in your seats guy which doesn't which isn't fair it's not fair because he's great
0: well and the other thing would be that the indians have i think somebody who would qualify in that same category and maybe he's not all the way there yet but francisco Liriano, you know or or
1: francisco Lindor, even oh that's who i meant sorry francisco
0: Francisco liriano he'll come to the ballpark he'll bring you to the ballpark every day if you hate yourself yeah sorry francisco Lindor. Sorry, Francisco. Um, but, yeah. All right, man. Let's uh, let's wrap up. Anything anything good you want to talk about before we uh, – non-baseball goofy stuff or pop well, culture stuff? or
1: it's uh, our first podcast since the holidays have ended. So yeah. I just wanted to see if uh, you got any wonderful baseball-related gifts or just gifts in general. Got I some think... baseball
0: cards. Okay. From my mom. Good. Old ones? Current ones? No, current ones. Current ones. Um, I actually meant to tweet a couple of them out because I got two Bartolo Colognes in the packs I got. I was happy about that. Yeah. Um, got a couple caps, which, you know, I like my caps. Mm-hmm. Um. I think that's the, that's the extent of the baseball stuff that I got. I didn't get any, you know, crazy baseball um, memorabilia or anything like that. Uh, got a new tablet. Excited about that. Nice. Yeah. Um, about you, man. Um, I didn't. I got a lot of Bears stuff for some
1: reason. That's I don't know why. I didn't. I didn't ask for 75% it. Seventy-five
0: percent off. That's why.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, my mother-in-law always gets me baseball-related stuff in like a stocking stuffer,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: so a lot of the time it's just like random stuff that she finds that that has baseball attached to it. So yeah. uh, I got a baseball nightlight for our like house like a little glove and you just plug it into the wall we haven't set it up yet and uh, she bought me a Chris Sale Lego action figure thing and uh, after I opened it she said I bought this before they traded him so (laughs) uh, it's a White Sox Chris Sale Lego man and does it uh, come with a uniform oh yeah so he's uh, he's in his White Sox uni and uh, I'm sure I'll display him somewhere but uh I already said about that. And my my wife is a is a Cubs fan, so she got uh Anthony Rizzo and Chris Bryant. And uh those those two guys were not traded. So she gets to enjoy her legos and I just get to be disappointed.
0: I I, I never knew that you guys were split on uh Yeah. Cubs and Tops. she's a Packers fan too. So it it's bad. That might have to be something we talk about in the uh in another future podcast idea. I don't know. Things you learn on the in the last five minutes of the stew pot, right? You always always learn some interesting stuff. I've been watching Narcos, yeah, like which which is uh, oh yeah yeah nice. yeah. I know I'm super late, but yeah, it's it's uh, it's 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 great show. I'm, I'm all about it.
1: I might look into that, but I'm currently uh, currently on Top Chef, the best show on television. So yeah, get out of here, big fan can. of that. Yeah, whatever. You guys should be watching it. I don't know why you don't. If anyone's got hot, uh, hot top chef takes. Wow, that's hard to say. <laughs> if you got hot top chef takes. Hit me up on Twitter, please.
0: Chris wants them. All right. Well, thank you guys for being here for the stew pod. Uh, as uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just change it up in the new year and tell the people that they need to, they need to go like, or I'm sorry, subscribe and then review the stew pod. Say how good we are. Give, give us eight stars. Is that right, Chris? I do this that right?
1: Well, I mean, I think five is the maximum. But if you can find a way around it, <laughs> give us eight.
0: Well, I was thinking maybe asking for eight, and then if they just give us five, then we're That's in good, true. good shape, right? Good point. Yeah. Yeah, rate and review on uh, on on iTunes. We'd appreciate that. And, uh, you know, share, share it around a little bit. And uh, we, we appreciate it. We'll be back next week with more Hall of Fame stuff, which I'm looking forward to because feel like you can never stop arguing about the Hall of Fame. So more coming next week, y'all. Until then, I am Mike Oz, he is Chris Swick and we'll see you later. Bye everyone.